Uh, the class this afternoon is uh, our sufficiency of Christ. I need Christ for my decisions. And we're going to start out reading in John 15. We're going to do it a little different today. We're going to involve everybody. So we're going to go really simple. Really simple. Verse 1, going to be row 1. You're going to stand up, and it's going to take some leadership and, and some uh, teamwork. And together, you're going to read with the voice of a trumpet, verse 1. Got it? Verse 2. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and then everybody rises and we'll read verse 11 twice. Got it? So it's going to take some teamwork. Uh, I think it's important we learn to read uh, effectually, even in unison. And so, this will stretch us out. St. John chapter 15, verse number 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. Thank you for that. The goal of this lesson is to find the greater Yes, in Christ for my decisions. The greater yes for Christ, in Christ for my decisions. When I married my lovely wife, I said yes, a greater yes. And that automatically said no 
to 3.8 billion other women in this world. Just one great yes. And when we're talking about abiding in the vine, getting intimate, organic, intrinsic, outflowing, fruit-producing life, it is because of one great big yes choice. Choice. Not a hope so, wish so, want so. And so this thing, uh, the old branch is going to soon be retired, and I'm glad. He's kind of withered and haggard, and we've tried to hang a lot of things on him. But uh, he has not been very successful, and that's the way it always looks. And by the way, like all these discussions we're having up here this morning, it just seems like it's human tendency to want to know where the lines are. Like, oh, Moses, just give us another law. Or, you know, we just want to know. And, and so many things, if we could back up and consider, like, well, where's the line? Well, just am I getting life from that? I think that's always a question, too. If I'm trying to get life from the non-true vine, it is not life. So today we're going to fill up the, uh, the vine with the, my decisions here. Here we go. And we've plugged it into the vine. Now that just really looks easy, doesn't it? You got decisions to make? Oh, okay. Just be in the vine. Does that mean they'll be easy? No. Does that mean they're possible? Yes. yes. And we read twice there today that his joy So it's a win-win if we truly consider him to be our greater yes. So here we go. My decisions being fastened in the vine. A greater yes. Why is this lesson important? Because everything, including my destiny, hangs on my decision. A story is told of a farmer who hired a man to paint his barn. And the farmer thought that it would take three days to paint the barn. He started painting. The farmer came back, and he was done in one day. So the next day, the farmer gave him wood to chop. And there was enough wood there that the farmer thought it would take four days. He came back that evening, all done. One day. Next day, the farmer says, okay, I've got a big heap of potatoes. And some of them we're going to eat this winter, and some's going to be for the pigs, and some we're going to save for seed next season. And I just want you to sort them out. And the farmer thought that 
Maybe he could do it in a day. He comes home, and the man has only just moved two or three potatoes. And he said, what's the problem? You know, I gave you the barn to paint, you did it in one day, and the wood to chop, and you did it in one day. And this is what the man said. He said, sir, I can work, but I cannot make decisions. How's it going with you? Sometimes it's easy to just do something. We don't know what, but we know we're going to do something. But we need to come back and be sure that we're sure that we're sure. By abiding in the vine, we can make decisions. My decisions. Can we make decisions? Let's take a look. Sure we can. Experiencing the sufficiency of Christ for my decisions, and I have broke down into three categories today. First one is by abiding in the vine. Number two, by submission and courage. Three, by exposing my need. So let's work on area number one. My decisions, experiencing Christ's sufficiency by abiding in the vine. So as we read a while ago, it says, if you abide in me, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Does this mean everything I ask that I get? No. Is that what it says? It does, but it doesn't, right? There's some contextualization there. So first of all, um, we've got this there's something going on here about his will. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. But when we are abiding in his word, what are we're finding out his what? Will. His will. So we're we are organically connecting um, getting life from walking in His will, and His will is my will. So it's supposed to end up looking like this. We will His will. If we are abiding in the vine, our will becomes His will. It says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, and I don't know how to demonstrate this, but... Um, this is a fire poker. It's really cold. But if I put this in the fire, the fire poker would be where? In the fire. In the fire. And if it stays in the fire long enough, then what's going to be in the fire poker? Huh? 
the fire. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, so you put it in the fire. I, you are in me. Whoop, there goes the fire pokers. Anthony said you're a sheep, but I'm calling you fire pokers. <laughs> you go in the fire, in his word. You leave this in that fire long enough, and I'll guarantee you the fire is going to be in the poker. That's pretty simple, but that's the way it works. When you marinate in the Word of God, then the Word of God is marinating in you. And that is why uh, we, we can say these things. We will His will. Uh, what is the if saying again here? What is the if saying? If you abide. Yeah, if you abide. So there's an if condition there. And it's saying in, in my decisions, in the decision process, it's pretty simple that uh, if I'm abiding in him, then I will be able to um, ask the right questions. And I'll tell you how that works here in just a bit. And I think we just want to shoot high. But if you look at this, so we've got the if, if we abide. In him, then we know his will. So we got his will. And it seems to me as I read this verse and just keep working with it, that, that then his will ultimately becomes my will. My will, his will. My will is his will. In other words, so I wouldn't, the idea is to be so, or, the relationship is so alive that I wouldn't, I would know him so well that I would have a pretty good sense to what is his will. And uh, because everything is, he doesn't just leave it where everything is just like a waffle, where you know you got the, these lines this way and that way, and you just show me where to step and where not to step, is a lot of discernment, like Chris has been talking about. So, in Him, He's in me. I know His will, His will, my will. Then, when I am making decisions, I'm a little more equipped. Real simple, but that's what it looks like. Abiding faith in Christ, that his words and his doctrine will remain in me. Let's keep moving. We're still abiding in the vine. Verse 8, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Uh, so what is the obvious consideration here in this verse? What would you say? To bear fruit. Okay. Anything else? Glorify the Father. Glorify the Father. Anything else? Disciples. The disciples. Good. That's what I see when I look at that. And so, uh, obviously, how would... Okay, so we got bearing fruit, glorifying the Father, uh, being my disciples. So what would that have to do with decision making? Your decisions should do that. 
Uh, and I say that again? Your decision should glorify the Father, bear fruit, and make you a disciple. Okay, good. So it's obvious that, well, this decision that I'm making, is it going to glorify the Father? Well, and this whole thing, bearing fruit, is what brings glory to the Father. How is this going to bear fruit? Uh, what's this going to look like in my life as I continue to process, as I continue to grow? Uh, you know, see, fruit doesn't just stay a little plump. It, it, it continues to spread. And, of course, in its seed, and it, it spreads farther and farther. So that's a very good observation. Um, Life is not about me. So many times I think when we're making decisions, it's easy to think, well, how's it going to impact me? And that is a, it's, it's okay to think that because I am going to be involved and those that I serve are going to be involved. My family is going to be involved. It does make a difference. But the first one's not always necessarily about how it impacts me. If we're trying to make decisions based on the experiencing the sufficiency of Christ, we must ask, first of all, how it is going to uh, affect him. What's it going to make him look like? Oh, that's a Christian. Look what he's doing. That must be Christian pornography, I guess, or whatever it is. How is this going to bear fruit for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? How, in, in plain words this way, so I make a decision. How is someone going to look at my decision and see Christ glorified in the decision that I make? Or they see it as a selfish decision. And just because they think something doesn't mean they think the right thing either. It's just my best attempt for the greater yes. Experiencing the sufficiency of Christ again in verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandment, and abide in his love. So, what in this passage would speak into my decisions? Okay. Continue in my love. Okay. Love others more than yourself. Okay. It's all correct. And you've all answered uh, intellectually. But it seems like experientially there's something going on here. There is a if I, I try to get it, as the Father hath loved me, so you got love going, whoo, to Jesus. Father, Jesus, you got love going, whoo. And then Jesus taking that love and he's going, whoo. You know, he's, he's pouring it out. Father's pouring it out. And then Jesus is pouring it out. And then he says, okay, then you will abide. In my love that I've poured out to you, I've kept my Father's commandments, and you abide in his love. So there's, there's, a, there's a transfer, seems like, kind of going on here. And I'm going to, to, to call that um, 
relationship, like a good, healthy union. There's something that's, that's transferring there. I have loved you. Okay, so there is, uh, as a father hath loved me, so Jesus is receiving this love because of their relationship, then the disciples are called to continue in the love that they have received because of their relationship. So you, now you see that what is being transferred here is based on a relationship, a healthy connection. And it would be nearly, well, I'm not going to say nearly impossible because I, I can tell you some things where God overrides and, and even people that don't know anything about this I think can look back years to come and see that, good, that God even gave them grace uh, way beyond anything they even knew anything about. But I just want to see that there's a healthy union. It's a love-based relationship. Uh, I think it should be this way. Now, we're, now, don't lose sight of this. We're not talking about marriage yet. We're, we're still talking about making decisions. I think you would agree with me as you look here that both parties, whether it's God, Christ, Christ, and the disciples, everyone has the best interest in mind for the other one. Okay? So when we're making decisions, let's think about it in the same way. Do I have the Lord's best interest in mind when I make my decision? Or do I have my best interest in mind? And it might be, you know, ideally, and at the end of the day, if since everything in Christ is win-win, then, then it is both best interests. That's what I see there. Neither party, now I'm, I'm talking about neither party, neither party here is operating independently. You know, it is, it's, it's as, and so, and you know, it's just, this thing is just going around and around in here. And I think that's what happens sometimes when you go to make decisions is we operate independently and it's to one's best interest, not always both. So how do we do that? Uh, what's some ways we can operate like that? I, I put down here like harbor lights. Think about a ship coming in. One, one way we can do this is uh, our having a meaningful daily walk. And notice I said a meaningful daily walk. Now, how many of you, we'll start on the sister side. Um, I, I know you've all made fresh resolves and, and all of that. And just be honest, we're just all made out of the same stuff. But let's just say that before you came to Bible school, how many of you would say that you have a meaningful daily walk? Raise your hand. Okay. Thanks for your honesty. Uh, how many of you are planning on, oh, how many of you have chosen to go home and have a meaningful daily walk? Raise your hand. Okay. Some's a little not so sure, but that's okay. Okay, how about over here? Thank you for your honesty. 
But this is what I'm saying. It's so like, Lord, just tell me how to make this. Could you just bypass all this boring stuff about the vine and the branches and just tell me how to make decision? Sorry. It will last one time or two times. The Lord Jesus is giving you the life-giving fountain to make decisions for the rest of your life that keep getting more and more and more looking like him. Okay, over here. Before you came to Bible school, we know it wouldn't be now, of course. Before you came to Bible school, how many of you men, it would be your honest confession before God that you really did have a daily meaningful life. Meaningful prayer life. Okay. A few hands. You're really modest, but that's okay. I'd probably do that too. Uh, but how about now? I mean, you've been here. You've had a time to process. Uh, um, how many of you are choosing to have a meaningful daily walk? Raise your hands high. Great. Thank you. And what that does is that, okay, now I don't need to have such a long list of do you, don't you, or did this cross the line here, or might that be close to the line? You know, once we begin to flow and, and we, we understand the mind of the Father, the flowing of the Holy Spirit, then some of these things like, I mean, things that, uh, that I, I would have chosen many years ago, I wouldn't choose now. Uh, I'm not just necessarily saying that they were, that they were wrong or sinful. It, it's just maybe now there's just a, I, I may look at things through a little different lens as, as we grow, and that's what growth is about, right? And so, very good. Uh, meaningful uh, daily walk. Uh, also, when we're abiding the vine, I'm talking about this relationship that's going back and forth, the, uh, receiving, giving, uh, in the fire, the fire in me, uh, him and me, I and him, and so forth. The, the priorities, my priorities on target. And what I mean by that is this. Matthew 6, Jesus says, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. So simple, we make a decision. Okay, Matthew 6, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto me and to you. It's a moment-by-moment moment connection. I, I think it is, moment-by-moment. Moment. Back to that daily salvation. Just moment by moment, staying in the vine, my daily decision, staying connected to Him. Seek you first the kingdom of God. You've heard this all your life, but I can't improve on the words of Jesus. I cannot give you a book that would improve on them. Now here's another one to make, make sure this healthy, uh, healthy uh, environment is, is taking place is invite accountability. Uh, the body, the Hebrews 10 talks about uh, considering one another, provoking one another unto love and to good works. Pro, uh, invite accountability. And I don't know, uh, I know I've talked to some. I think maybe that's just not an automatic, but really the, the, old, the longer you grow, go through life, uh, accountability is a great friend. If you want to make sure this 
flows going back and forth invite accountability. It's a great blessing. Number four, uh, just real simple. Um, Father loved the Lord, uh, loved Christ. Christ loved them. They're to keep His commandments. They're to abide in His love. And I think the obvious is always, do you love me? That's what he asked Peter. And when we uh, make choices, it reflects our love for him. Another verse. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you. Here is, I think, the key. Uh, well, I should, they're all key. They all have to do with the, uh, uh, you know, I'm in him and, and he's in me and the fire in me. But look at this verse. I, I used to look at this for a long time and wasn't just sure what to make out of it, but I think I'm getting closer. These things have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And how to make that simple? I've been asking myself this question. I've asked some of you this question. What are the things that make God joyful? What are the things that makes Christ joyful? Think about that. I'm not asking you now. I mean, it'll take a lifetime. It'll take an eternity. But think about that. Are those the things that bring you joy? Oh. Are the things that bring Christ joy the things that bring me joy? That's kind of a good gauge when taking about making decisions. What would that have to do with making a decision? What? What would that have to do with making a decision? Why would you know that? That sounds like... We all want to have joy, so we will, it'll make us want to choose the things that God... Um, that brings God joy because it'll bring us joy too. Okay, yeah, you started out there with, with we all want, and that's true, but... So if I stop to think about, okay... Um, Lord, is the things that bring you joy the things that bring me joy? I definitely want to make a decision that brings you joy. Because if I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want it. I don't want something in my life that does not bring him joy. So I want the things in my life that bring him joy. I want the things that give me joy that gives him joy. It's just all part of the, the abiding. But I think it, it is very... Uh, if you go to make a decision, ask God, how will it bring you joy? Or how will it not bring you joy? Joy in doing, or joy in not doing what God has asked us to do. Very good. Okay, let's move to number two. And as it seems like, as I sat there and began to study this subject, that these two these just words, they just came to me, and I just put them down. I just present them to you that... Okay, so we're in the vine. I'm going to move on from the vine now. We're going to stay connected. But I put experiencing the sufficiency of Christ for my decisions, too, by submission and courage. Submission is yielding to the will and the power of another. And in this situation, it is Jesus Christ. Courage is brave, bold, and daring in the power of the one I'm submitting to. And, uh, and uh, really, I mentioned it the other evening, but I was really shocked the first year at Bible school how much fear there was, or I should say lack of courage, to go home and be brave and bold. 
I mean, I would have just thought that everybody would just been ready to go home and be brave and bold. But, the, but the, the fear come in like, oh, you better not be too courageous because you might go home and fail. And then you've been brave and bold and it's kind of been like you, you, you've been a two-faced person. And so that took me a little while to get over. And I thought, well, maybe it is because there's still just not a complete yielding, uh, a submission, a complete yielding uh, to the will and the power and authority of another. Because once there be a complete yielding, a complete submission, then the byproduct of that would, would be courageous and brave. It's just, a, just an interesting, the more I looked at it, I would like to go into it more sometime. Um, I thought about people like, let's just say David and the giant. Um, David could have, I mean, I see both there. David went in there to the giant, and, and uh, he, was, he looked at the giant, he sized up the giant, and the first thing kind of comes through his mind is, who is this? I mean, uh, this, this guy is nothing. I'm, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to go for my God. I'm going to submit to my call as a man of God, and I'm going after this man. And that's what gave him the courage. Uh, you could have it probably where there was um, somebody could be courageous and brave but not submissive. And that, that's kind of a, a train wreck too. Um, it, the, the two go together. If you're just really courageous, I'm just going. Uh, there, was a, there was a runner one time in the Old Testament and he just wanted to run. He wanted to run for, he was called uh, Ahemahaz. And he wanted to run but he didn't have a message. He, he didn't, wasn't submissive but he was courageous and brave. He ran, he got to where he's going. He said, I saw a bunch of confusion, but I don't, I don't know, I don't have a message. So um, it's important that, that they're both there. Uh, it would be, it'd be easy to be submissive, like, oh, yes, Lord, I submit to you, but still afraid to do anything. So I've, I've seen both of these. I've probably experienced both of these. So just try that one on. We're going to move on. Am I courageous? Am I submissive? Am I courageous and brave? Submissing, submission and courage. And I'm just going to take a quick look at what this looks like in the life of Christ. Think about Jesus Christ being submissive and, brave and courageous. At, uh, let's see, it was when he was 12 years old, he went up with his father and mother to the temple. And uh, there he was, um, stayed behind in the temple. And he was... Um, his parents went on and they went home and they got three days journey out or a couple days journey out or a day's journey out, however far it was. And they turned back and they went to get him and when they got back there, they said, you know, how is this? You did this to us. And he says, well, must I, I must be about my father's business. And so he was about his father's business. He was really courageous. He, he was really brave. Uh, I just use that as a story. Uh, the focal point uh, everything about Christ uh, is submission and courage. Um, that was always how he was. With praying in Gethsemane, he was submissive to the Father, but he was courageous. He was ready to do what the Father asked him to do. The Apostle Paul, he was also uh, very submissive and very courageous. 
uh, he had a, th I just used the example of the thorn in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. When he had this thorn and he prayed three times to get, have the thorn taken away, and uh, the Lord says, no. Jesus met him and said, no. And so he, he was submissive. He said, okay. He says, I will, uh, I will receive this. And... Um, I'll be very courageous and brave. He says that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so there he was. He, he was submissive. He was courageous and brave. Uh, George Mueller, is, um, he, he says this, getting my heart, this is how George Mueller would describe submission and courage, getting my heart to where it has no will of its own. That's a good one when you're making decisions getting my heart to where it has no will of its own. Charles Spurgeon. I got a quote from him. God does not need your strength. So oftentimes when we're making decisions, we think that we have to be so strong. He says, God doesn't need your strength. He has more than enough power of his own. He asks for our weakness. He has none of that in himself. He's longing, therefore, to take my weakness and use it as an instrument in his own mighty hand. Will you not yield your weakness to him and receive his strength? That's, that's a beautiful quote. All right, let's move into the experiential experiencing the sufficiency of Christ for my decisions by exposing my needs. And this is kind of what we've been waiting for, I'm sure. But I didn't want to start here. I would love to start here with, and, and chimed in with Chris. And, and, uh, but I just can't do that until we first of all uh, harvested and highlighted and underlined the greater yes. The greater yes to Christ. We are, make sure that we are solid we connected in the vine before we ever try to make decisions. So we'll ask those good questions. Is it for everybody's best interest? Uh, is it going to glorify the Father? Is it going to bear fruit? Is it going to reveal myself as a disciple? Is it going to win-win? And so forth. So you start there, and then you get to these natural things. So, exposing my needs... Thinking about a career. So how many of you in here have a job? Raise your hand high if you have a job. Well, oh, great. You've already thought about it. Isn't that amazing? How did you ever decide what you would do? And you're still alive? <laughs> but did it look difficult? How many of you th thought that uh, it looked difficult finding a, a career or job? Huh? A few. Very good. I have my hand up high. I thought I'd be a farmer. That's all. When I went to school, I had no idea why they tried to teach things in school that farmers didn't need to know. <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah, that's enough of that. So, on, like a career... You know, definitely, uh, we all have different... And we're going to open this up for discussions. You can tell me 
what you know about it and what your experience has been. But, you know, I'm not saying, um, I'm just going to switch now. I am not saying that, you hear this saying as that some people are so spiritually, so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. I don't know if that's true, but I kind of know what it means. Like you just go around just spiritually, okay, I'm in the vine, I'm in the vine, I'm in the vine. But boy, I am hungry. I am so hungry. <laughs> And my children have not, nothing to wear, no shoes to, you know, I am just, I'm, but I'm in the vine. I'm in the vine. You know, it's just, that's the, the, the opposite. Of course, in the vine, we would consider our giftings. What are your giftings? You know, we all have different giftings. So when you're thinking about a career, uh, think about your giftings. Uh, I, I, if I went past a computer shop and it said help needed, I, I wouldn't even see it. I mean, I, I, uh, that's, that's not my gifting. Um, it would be a very measurable day for me. I helped, a, I helped my uncle one time uh, uh, hang sheetrock in Modesto, California. It was the longest day I ever spent in my life. <laughs> it was not my gifting. Uh, your giftings are important. Consider your giftings. Another one is, uh, what are your opportunities? You just can't uh, bypass that one. And some people have opportunities uh, that's like, well, I guess this is a, a good opportunity for me. I think that could be a very obvious indicator of a possible career for someone. Um, another question that I think it's good to consider, and you be thinking your questions for discussion time. But before considering a career, think about would it interfere with any of your inner callings. And I said, well, I, I've kind of always felt, when I talk to young people, I like to ask them, or even an older person, are you doing what you dreamed that you would do? And, and I haven't found very many people that, that are. But some people are like, yes, I've just always dreamed of, uh, you know, being that painter or, or whatever it was. But very few people I've ran into. But if you do have a dream, you do have a gifting, you do have an opportunity, um, and it has been a dream, and, then, um, and it looks like it would it'd really bless you, bless the kingdom, but you know, don't get distracted, perhaps, with, with something that's lesser. I mean, consider it well. Consider the, uh, your inner calling. You're, maybe you feel like you're being called to missions. Well, that's going to make probably a difference on... If you feel you're being called to missions, it's, it's probably going to make a, a big difference. I'll, I'll look at that later, I guess, on what you choose as a career now, how far you get into it, and so forth. Um, also, I, I, let's just say this about the career and missions while we're here on the career. I think too many times some businessmen have the idea that, uh, that they're not really uh, good missionaries because they, I've heard our brethren say, well, we're just, we're just businessmen. But don't be deceived with that either because a missionary in the field, his jet doesn't fly without fuel. It takes businessmen. It, it takes men that have jobs, that have labor, that's willing to tithe and, and share. Uh, it's about the whole church reaching the whole world 
with the whole gospel. So I want to be very careful here. Having a career is a very high calling. The Lord says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. When the Moravians sent missionaries all over the world, they had their own ships. It'd be like today, uh, uh, some of you going back home and you get your, your church together and you buy about 12 747s and, and you head out. Uh, Moravians, they conquered mighty, mighty things. They had their own ships. That was their 747s in their days. But everybody was involved in the missions. If you were a farmer, you fed your cows for the mission. If you, were, if you had a, a steel factory, you produced steel for the mission. Everything was for the mission. Everything was for the outflow. I think that's where we miss it so many times is we tend to categorize ministry over there and career over here and so we, we put them into categorization and it's all ministry. I think that's the problem that we've had and I've been part of that problem is that our messages don't go out the door. We, well, we're going to talk about work or we're going to talk about career or whatever. If it doesn't point to, go, if it doesn't push out the door, if it doesn't take you out the door, if it doesn't take a coworker out the door, if it doesn't take a, a missionary uh, fuel for him out the door, amen. It may not be a, uh, a high enough calling to keep, uh, we might need to go back to the vine, back to the source, because this thing, if it's going to produce, it has to cycle. It has to be organic. So keep that in mind for career. Uh, just because you got a job, it doesn't mean that, that you're not involved in taking the message out the door, being a reconciler of the world unto Christ. It's just it's just another aspect of it. Uh, on, on a career, I just want to say that um, from experience, there, there have been times I know of others, I know of men that have just felt like that their world stopped, their, their, their career changed or dried up. It, I had a time like that in my life. It's just like the most unheard of thing happened. Uh, I, and um, I remember one night in the shower, I had no idea what the next move would be for me. No idea. And I, I just still um, go back. I, that was probably back in, uh, oh, 1986. I remember standing in the shower one night singing, Trust and Obey. There's no other way. And I felt so good in that shower. I was like, I about to pinch myself to see what is true. I, I really did feel good. And uh, I'm still alive. Um, God is usually ahead of us. Education. Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, that's a real thing. Uh, if you're a girl, you probably, well, am, am I going to get married? Uh, am I going to be serving Christ married or single? Um, if I'm going to be single, should I get education? Uh, finding in, uh, in the mission field, it used to be that you know, if you had white skin and enough money to get on an airplane to get somewhere, that you could just about plug into any level of, of government entity and and translate or, or, or teach, just anything you could do. 
But it's not so much that way anymore. It's getting to be more and more aware that if you don't have like a, uh, uh, like what is it, B, BA? Bachelor's. bachelor's degree. If you don't have a bachelor's degree, that people are coming off the mission field, going, coming home, getting degrees, and going back because some of the requirements are changing. So uh, just because you have a degree doesn't mean that it can be used very helpful in mission field. Um, there's just a lot of things to consider about education. But I know, you know, well, I'm, am, am I married, single, um, so forth? Am I going to go off and get a career? I know people that, you know, they went off and got educated to do something and got out of college and went and did something completely the opposite. But God still has a way of, of using that. You know, it's, it's never, uh, probably ne never a waste. But on the other hand, uh, I'm not the one to talk to about this. Talk to some of these brothers here that have had a lot of education. Uh, I understand there's a lot of traps out there too. So uh, with all of this, it would require... Um, communicating with those that you trust. And another one, if you're going to do Bible translation, uh, it might take some education. Here's another one, finances. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, that uh, no man can serve two masters. Um, he will either love one or hate the other, and, he's, and the context there is money. And he says, you know, you cannot love money and love God. Uh, that won't work to do both. You cannot serve two masters. And the reason that is, is Jesus also has another secret in that same chapter. And it's just something like this, that uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Boy, that's, I just can't say it any plainer than that. So, the issue is not the quantity. The issue is, uh, like as Chris was talking, you know, it doesn't cut off. At, I, I think he got up almost out of $47, maybe to 48 It was not the quantity. It's, it's about the hard affection. You know, is it set on, on money? Um, what is your view of finances? Um, about your stewardship, you know, how, um, what, what, yeah, this is, uh, what do you believe about borrowing? What do you believe about lending? Or co-signing? Or tithing? And giving? I mean, these are, these are good things to discuss. And these are places that the Lord uh, will meet you. And he'll meet you at these places in, in places that other people aren't met. And so we all have, just as we are individuals, we have individual, individual journeys here. And as a steward... We are accountable for where he meets me and how I respond to where he meets me. I'm responsible with what he gives me and how he gives it to me and how I um, 
steward that, invest that, share that. A um, lot of decisions about finances. Uh, good, uh, good, good things to discuss. Uh, I've worked with people before, and, and we got found out things that have come to convictions. Oh, here's another one. Uh, everybody's got some different convictions about finances, and and I just would caution us about being judgmental. Some people believe they could be in a partnership. Other people vowed they'd never be in a partnership. Some people believe you should never borrow money. Uh, some people. In other words, I think it all still comes back to what's my motivation? Well, here's another one. Uh, if you come to me and said, oh, Brother Murrow, I'm thinking about borrowing $10 to start this hog farm. Uh, I would say, you know, one of the first questions I'd say is, uh, have you ever vowed? Or are you getting ready to do something that you said you would never do? That's always a question that I ask. Why would you ask that question? Why do you think? Discern the motive of why they are doing that. Could you say it loud enough they could hear? To discern the motive of why they are doing what they are doing. Could be. Why do you think I'd ask that question, Anthony? <laughs> I don't need it. You don't need it. I think the idea, there could be a lot of reasons, but this is what I would be listening for. Is this person crossing a line that they said they would never cross? Why is that important? It's key. Because if you've had some stirrings in your heart, like, I'm never going to be in debt over $5. And all of a sudden you got this cannot resist opportunity. You, you, you'll be rich overnight. Borrow $10. Right away, you're going into a dragging a leg. Your wings is not 100%. You're dragging a leg. You're thinking deep inside, oh, I, I, I I'm not sure I should be doing this. I said I'd never do this. You know, it's just, it's just a, you're, you're an open target for the enemy. And if the Lord is the one that put it on your heart to make the decision you made the first place not to do it, then you're kind of, you got something there to deal with. That's just a, a simple illustration. Think about that. I got to move it. Um, okay. Great. So, finances, stewardship, savings, investments, uh, all good missions. You know, I just want to say this about missions. I would like for you not to think that I think missions is a, is a separate category. I think you know me well enough, but now you know that's not true. Because everybody, everybody that is in the vine, truly in the vine, with the reciprocal relationship going on, is in missions. That is the call of God. That's the ultimate. That's the, that's the thing that every New Testament, every command of Jesus points to the last one. Every single one. And there's no other reason to, to do what Jesus said to do, just to do it, to be that person, if it doesn't go out the door. And so everybody's in missions. Uh, it's just that, you know, we may have a different aspect of missions. I kind of covered that earlier. But uh, one thing I do want to say about missions is you're making decisions. Uh, I think that there's been an observation for some time that to meet young people out in various places of the world, 
And you, they, they just don't quite got the fire in their eyes. And, and you talk to them once, it's kind of like, well, things weren't really working out at home. I wasn't sure what they thought of tri-mission. Kind of like hoping something would get a hold of them and just breathe fire in them. And you know what happened? They get discouraged. They may walk away from the faith. They go back defeated. Well, who else is going to want to try missions? Didn't work for them. Did you find someone that's got a clear call? A clear call from the Lord. And there'll be strength. There'll be energy. It'd be like the Apostle Paul. If that thorn's what you want me to have, got it. Because your grace will be sufficient. So I'm just saying, make, be sure it's a clear call. Lots of people will be glad to help you with that. Here, marriage. Uh, oh, 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 on the missions. Let's go, go back one more thing. I kind of been strong about this. Uh, be sure you talk to your leadership. That's just key. You know, start with your father, your, your, whoever's over you, but move it into the brotherhood. And be sure the brotherhood is, is, is invested in this. Uh, it just, just seems to be the best course. Um, to go with God's blessing. I'm not saying that people that don't are not blessed, but it, 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 I'll tell you, here's what it does. It brings everybody with you. Everybody gets to be involved. And so thank you for doing that if you will do that. Marriage. Oh, my. I want to say something about marriage. Is, is, um, I have this feeling that Adam, I don't know, you brother can straighten me up, but I have this feeling that Adam... I think he was satisfied. I may be wrong. But the Bible story's kind of pointed out like, poor old Adam, there goes the, there goes the cow, and there goes a, um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the bull's got a cow, and the, 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 you know, the sheep, the ewe has a ram, and, and that's the way the Bible story's presented. I don't know that that's true, but uh, I just wonder if Adam wasn't, he first of all, I'll just say it this way, I think that's what Chris has been preaching with his box. The first satisfaction must be satisfied with God. Satisfaction with God. Otherwise, we heap over that to get me, like Samson, get me, she pleaseth me well. Um, that, that is good. Uh, Philippians 4, 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, but I've learned whatsoever state I am therewith to be. Hello? Ooh. Easy to say, but that's the Bible. Content in Him, in the vine. And uh, that doesn't mean, I'm, I'm not talking about a person shouldn't pursue the environment that God has created that it's not good for man to be alone. I'm not saying that at all. And oh, by the way, could I share something with you? I have really something special to share with you. Judy, Would you stand up, please? Actually, just come up here just for a second. Would you please? Just, just come right over here. I want to announce to everybody something that you don't know. We have some news. <laughs> September, no, November 
18th, 50 years ago tonight, is we had our first date. 50 years ago tonight. That was 600 months, 2,608 weeks. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, oh, 18,000 some weeks. Anyway, we have more news. We're still dating. <laughs> That's the best part. I'd love to tell you more about that date, but... <laughs> Uh, vehicles, you know, what kind of, talked about vehicles, uh, am I going to buy a new vehicle, used vehicle? Well, some people say, well, I've got to get rid of my gas hog, but they go borrow money to buy, uh, you know, what they really wanted anyway, under the guise of being a good steward, of course. Uh, am I buying one for work, buying one for pleasure, don't buy a two-seater or a 15-seater, probably makes a difference where you're out there. Uh, my decisions uh, regarding fellowship. Uh, this will impact the lives of lots of people potentially for years to come. I always think about this, think about my grandchildren walking past my casket someday and think, you know, I, I don't want them to, oh, it's not just for them, it's for me too, it's for the clap of the Lord's glory, but, but we don't want to let the generations down behind us. It's easy to think about just me today, you know, this is how I feel today, and um, so my decisions for goal setting, recreation, entertainment, hobbies, uh, they're all great. Uh, I would recommend this. That you know, In the back you have this. This is something that uh, I have found a blessing in my life. I, I set goals. Whatever it is. I'm just using this maybe in, in finances. I'll use it. I'll say, well, what, what is the goal I want? And I might say, okay, I want uh, to uh, um, save uh, $12,000 in, in one year. And, uh, well, why do I want to do that? I'd put here the why, the second thing in the why. Uh, well, because I need a car to drive to church. Okay, so I'd put, you know, this is the goal. This is why. <clears throat> and uh, then how am I going to do it? How would I reach it? And I, use, I usually start down here. What am I going to have to do in uh, every month? Well, it's going to be obvious that every month I'm going to need to what? That'd be $1,000 every month. I'd save $1,000. Okay, then, then what are we going to have to do every week? That means every week I'm going to need to save $250. What does that mean every day if I work five days a week? It means I'm going to have to save $50 a week. I mean, just little simple things like that. I have used this for, you, you just, yeah, name it. Think about, it, if you're a goal person, how that works for you. Uh, here's some tests. You've got a dial test. Uh, what that means, Jesus said, what's that mean? It means, if I tell people, if, if there was a dial on the wall, you're trying to make a decision, there's a dial on the wall, and God says, you go put it where you want it, would you touch it? The clear test. Is it clear? Uh, it, is it clear? You're still waiting. Pray, Judy and I, we pray till it's clear. The compromise test. Am I compromising anything by this decision? Uh, it's very important. If I'm compromising truth, it's a problem. Um, yeah, the competition test. Um, will, this comp will this compete with my values on separation? That's a very good one. Will it compete with my values on separation? The counsel test. Did I go get counsel? I got this here, this is simple, acknowledge God, simple. When I'm, we have decisions to make, we acknowledge God. Proverbs 3 to 6, acknowledge Him in all thy ways. He will give you desires of your heart. Confess to God. If there's any sin, confess it. 
For I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Thank God. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What don't we understand about that? Supplications continue to ask God. God is the one that, that has the answers, and, and He knows um, what we're holding out, where we need to go with all of those.